What's really good, everyone? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning. I am your host. I am coming to you live from Oakland, California on Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. And as always, I am joined by the scrappy socialist. I like to call him Sharon Craft. His name is Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's up, man? man? We're talking about the most important game of the season today. The the number one team on the schedule coming to town. Before we get into this game, I just want to share with you and all the listeners something very troubling that I saw yesterday when uh, I was making my rounds across the, the beautiful city of Oakland. I go to the local Safeway, and are, are there Safeways in Ohio? I don't think so. I'm sure someone's going to get mad at me for saying that, but I don't think that there <laughs> are. <laughs> but but you know what they yeah, are, right? Yeah. It's just like a local grocery store, like a Kroger. Or... There are Safeways in Columbus. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, listeners, you know what I'm talking about here, and if you go into your local Safeway listeners and you see this, please tweet us a picture at Holy Land Pod. You can tweet me at Dubsco. You can tweet Patrick at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. So I walked into this Safeway, and the first two things I saw on display were one, a Seven Up cake, and an Orange Crush soda cake. Two of the most heinous <laughs> things I think I have ever seen in my life. I took a picture of it. It's on my Twitter account. But like I couldn't believe that this was a thing, and it really upset me, and it's affected the rest of my week since then. Man, I'm looking at the pictures right now. <laughs> this is uh, this is as upsetting as as you said it is. Do you think that they they taste like the sodas? Is that the thing? It says on the packaging, real Seven Up flavor, man, real Orange Crush flavor. Man, I hate that so much. Congratulations on the new, on the two new cakes that you bought today. <laughs> <laughs> I secretly am just saying this because I'm like, yo, yeah, it was disgusting. I was so off put by this thing, and they're just chilling. Yeah, you've got a big piece of cake right, right in front of your desk. <laughs> when Ohio State's defense doesn't make a single tackle on the first two Rutgers drives, I'm just waiting to break those bad boys out and start stress eating them. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the good stuff. That's the best way to I mean, nothing could possibly be worse than consuming this football game. So the cake is probably a welcome. <laughs> yeah, that that really is a fitting transition because speaking of cake, let's talk about Rutgers football. And this is a team that you may remember from such standout performances against Ohio State such as last year's 58 to nothing loss or the year before that the 56 to nothing loss at home. Ohio State, Patrick, do you know what Ohio State has averaged against Rutgers? Do you know what the average score in this series of four games is since Rutgers joined the Big Ten? No, tell me. It is 55 to 6. Oof. Oof. Two shutouts the past two years. Uh, two, folks, that is a 219 to 24 total. And the first two games Rutgers scored and since then they have they have not scored in this series since 2015 <laughs> yeah I'm looking at um obviously this is a different Rutgers team than they were in 2016 which was Chris Ash's first year but I would like to recite four scores from the 2016 season <laughs> by, by all means um October 1st uh Rutgers went to Ohio State and lost 58 to 0 October 8th 
Uh, Rutgers hosted Michigan and lost 78-0. to zero. November 12th, they went to Michigan State and lost 49-0. to zero. And then November 19th, they hosted Penn State and lost 39-0. to zero. So in the four games that they played against good teams that season, I think they played Washington and got crushed by Washington too. But in the four games that they played against good Big Ten teams, they did not score a point. They also only they only uh, they also only put up seven against Illinois and only put up seven against Iowa in a seven point loss. What a miserable team <laughs> this is. Listen, there's something to be said about consistency, <laughs> and if you're gonna be bad, you might as well be consistently bad, and that's what Rutgers is consistently bad. Yeah, man, they scored 32 points on Minnesota. What the hell? <laughs> Minnesota went nine and four. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I talked myself into Rutgers being decent after that Washington oh, game. No, never do after that. that season opener because they looked okay. And you know what? I'm I'm just gonna say this right now. Like, if you're expecting 40 minutes of an actual game preview for this, not the podcast. You have, yeah. you have come to the wrong podcast. This is not for you, my man, mm. or or woman. Who is this podcast for? <laughs> It's, it's for Sean Wade's parents. Shout out Sean Wade. Sean Wade High. Sean Wade and Demario McCall's relatives to listen to and hear us talk about them needing playing time, which they we do. will get into Free them. a little bit. But I did put out on Twitter before the season that I am very much team Rutgers is going to make a bowl game this season. And they started off with a 35-7 to win in uh, the opening game versus friend of the show and friend of Ohio State, Texas Tech. Texas Tech, Texas State, and uh, Everett Withers, although they could probably put up some points on Texas Tech as well. And Rutgers, after this game, man, they have a game at Kansas who I Do I not know watch you that game. Very, no one watched that you game. Are, <laughs> you are very well-versed in Kansas. They also play Buffalo, who's, who's all right. They got a big quarterback, don't they? They got a big, fun yeah. quarterback. Indiana and then Illinois, in that <laughs> Illinois game especially. And Maryland after that, which, I mean, I thought that Maryland would have a lot of problems given everything that's gone on, but what they did to Texas last week. So who knows? But Rutgers ends the season <laughs> at Wisconsin, Michigan oh, at home, Penn State at home, and then at Michigan State. Why? So if they're going to make a bowl game, they got to do it early. Why did they do that? <laughs> no. The Big Ten really did them wrong there. Jesus. I can picture Jim Delaney in his office just like, oh, yeah. They think they're going to do it this year. <laughs> It really is like Rutgers has to go. They have to go like seven and one basically <laughs> before those last four games. That's brutal. That's when you know that 2018's broken when Rutgers has to start the season seven and one. Yeah, Rutgers. Rutgers cannot afford to lose to Maryland, Illinois, Indiana, Buffalo, or Kansas because they're going to lose to Ohio State and they're probably going to lose to Northwestern. Man, that stinks. <laughs> it's no good at all. So I think the two biggest keys for this game getting into this Saturday's game, unfortunately. The biggest key for me is that we pray that there is no delay this time. I do not want any sort of rain delay. I don't want another five-hour Ohio State. I'm going to call this a non-conference game because it really is a non-conference game. This is a non-conference rivalry that Ohio State plays every single year because the Big Ten forces them to. But no rain delays, no weather delays, and... This is uh, you and I kind of get piled on, or not really piled on, because I don't think anybody really cares what we say. But we catch shit from time to time about like not being Ohio State homers, which shockingly, like as fans, 
we are less homers than some of the paid beat writers <laughs> on the Ohio State beat, which is really super odd. But something that I've noticed over the past few years, and I, I don't think it's a hot take that like Ohio Stadium's atmosphere it's bad. for non-big games yeah. is like not even bad. It's trash. It sucks. Like even when games are kind of close, like there's just not anything appealing about even watching Ohio State play at home. Like that's probably a hot take, but I I'm gonna go on a ledge and say that one. Like these early games that aren't like OU last year just really suck to watch yeah and i mean i think that that's probably the case for a lot of bigger schools um you know pretty much the only major school that i can think of where the atmosphere is pretty much always awesome is like lsu i know lsu has a really really good crowd and like nebraska usually has a good crowd when they're at least decent but as someone who's been to several of these really bad early season games and even later into the season when ohio state's playing like illinois or some some other bad big 10 teams the the numbers are there for the crowd but it is really i mean i understand where they're coming from because it's hard to care about games like this because it'll probably be like 38 7 at halftime and at that point like this is the kind of game you take your kids to and there's really just not a reason to to be super excited about it but it is a bit of an issue it's an issue with basketball too where they'll play kind of a bad team and the crowd just doesn't either doesn't show up or make any noise at all and I think it kind of is just uh, the result of being such a successful program is that um, we get bored by bad games really easily, which is understandable. Yeah, I don't mean to pile on the fans because I wouldn't want to. I left the Illinois game last year in the first quarter. <laughs> That's far too late. You stayed, you stayed at that game way too long. It started raining. I had no interest in being there. <laughs> so I guess getting into the, the meat of the game, for lack of a better term, what, what are we really looking out for in this game? Because it comes at an interesting spot before the TCU game and after the opener. But, like, matchup-wise, like we said, there, there really isn't anything that I think Rutgers can do to consistently stop Ohio State. And there's certainly not much they can do offensively, even if Ohio State has some of the issues we saw last week, to consistently score points. Yeah, I think really the... The only things that I'm kind of concerned about is that Rutgers has a couple decent players on offense. Um, and Ohio State, like you mentioned, might be kind of looking ahead to TCU a little bit. Rutgers has a really good receiver slash running back in Raheem Blackshear. He's one of their, he's probably their best player. Um, John Hilleman is pretty good. He's a running back. I think he's a transfer, if I remember right. Yeah, BC. Yeah, but they've got a true freshman quarterback in Arthur Sitkowski, who's, he looked pretty good against um, Texas State, but we've seen an Everett Withers defense before. <laughs> so we, we can kind of take that um, for what it is. Um, but their, de- their offense isn't horrible. They, they really only have those three guys, and I think that the better part of this Rutgers team is their defense, um, you know, and Chris Ashes pretty good at coaching defense I would say um they certainly don't have any kind of real talent to keep up with Ohio State but at least like looking at Bill Connolly's preview for for Rutgers is that um their defense should be pretty good and it will be at least a better test for Ohio State's offense than Oregon State was um it's still not going to be particularly close but they might be able to put up a little bit of resistance you know we talked about the big plays in the Oregon State recap episode mostly how that was probably just due to to breakdowns and a little first game nervousness and jitters and just not really probably fully understanding the defense for a lot of these 
younger players. But if you want to get worried if the defense gives up, I think this is the game to, to do it if they start giving up big plays heading into TCU where it's like, okay, maybe this is going to be a thing heading into the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's definitely, you know, this this game could be a good test because I, I think that Rutgers does have more talent than Oregon State does um, on both sides of the ball, and they have some really good playmakers. And it's certainly not anywhere near what uh, TCU will bring to the table, and TCU has some some serious offensive talent and a quarterback that I'm really worried about, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, but it, it should be a good test, especially because, Oregon State doesn't – I don't think they really have a receiver that was any kind of uh, good <laughs> or worth talking about. I, I can't remember a single receiver from that game, and it happened like five days ago. But, um, you know, Rutgers does have at least a little bit of talent, and it'll be a better test for the secondary, especially if Jordan Fuller is healthy and ready to go, which it seems like he is. He was listed as the starter on the depth chart, but – um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see for that. And Sitkowski's a freshman. and That's no good. <laughs> yeah, that's no good coming into Ohio Stadium, and he threw three picks last week. So yeah. if you're looking for anything, you know, improvement along that secondary when it comes to making plays on the ball, making havoc plays, and if they don't, that's when I think you should be real worried. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, this Rutgers offensive line is probably not going to give Ohio State's defense too much trouble. Um, so there could be some some serious issues for a true freshman quarterback that's, um, I want to say, 19 years old. And that's not really a very, um, not a good time for a freshman quarterback to have to play against this line. And, um, you know, you mentioned that Ohio State's uh, environment in the stadium for games like this is not very good, but it is still significantly larger than Rutgers Stadium and um, he's really never seen anything like this the kind of crowd that will be there so um, I'm not expecting too much from Rutgers offense but like you said they, they'll probably be able to get a couple of big plays and that is still concerning. Speaking of young quarterbacks I think the only thing that can really truly make me mad online about this game is if Tate Martell is brought in before it's a 28 point lead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they'll probably do that now that, that Urban is back and coaching during the week. <laughs> he'll, he'll put in a specific request that if they don't play Tate Martell, he um, he won't fire them, but he'll give them a very stern talking to about it. I know the offense is working with Wayne, but what about a QB draw to the right? Huh? <laughs> Have you considered rolling the five foot ten quarterback out to his uh, weak side? <laughs> Making him throw from there. Sir, may I interest you in a speed option? <laughs> God, with CJ Saunders at running back. <laughs> <laughs> this Welcome to hell. Jeez. But yeah, we're, we're going to see Tate Martell, and he's going to get rotated in. You know, just talking about the quarterbacks, I think there are a lot of things to take from Dwayne Haskins in this game, however it shakes out, because like we said, Last week, you know, that being his first start, this will still only be his second start. I think from the start, getting to see what type of rhythm he gets into, whether the offense takes more shots downfield, I think will be very interesting. They were so focused on a lot of the shorter stuff that we saw in 2017 and in 2016 that I think they will have to start focusing on beating some better defenses over the top. So I'm would assume that we would see a little bit more of that 
this week and some plays from guys like Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor down the field, maybe even Jalen Harris and some of the younger receivers. Yeah, uh, you know, we really didn't see a lot of diversity from Ohio State's passing attack last game, and we really didn't need to. Um, But Rutgers for, you know, it should be taken with the fact that they are Rutgers and they're not very good. Um, their defensive backfield is actually pretty solid. They they return pretty much everybody from it, and um, <clears throat> you know guys like Damon Hayes and Isaiah Wharton, who are both pretty good cornerbacks. Um, they've got a couple good safeties too. Could at least threaten <laughs> to make a couple plays. I, I really don't. I don't think that they're going to cause Ohio State much trouble. But I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to have wide open receivers all day. So we we should get to see them open it up a little bit more and. Hopefully we can see that big arm on some some deeper throws instead of just the one that we saw against Oregon State. I'm also curious to see what the rotations are on both sides of the ball because this seems like the type of game where if you're going to call the dogs off early, this would be the one because they kind of let the starters and Haskins play even later than I think most people expected against Oregon State because it was the first game of the season. You want guys to kind of get in game shape and not have to cramp up and and just get into the regular grind of a a college football game. But with TCU next week and just having such a superior talent advantage against Rutgers, I think that we're probably going to see earlier rotations. And if this gets to like a 21-0 or 28-0 early in the second quarter, that's when you're going to see a lot of these second and even third team guys come on and get really valuable time, even more so than we saw in the first game of the season. Yeah, I, I will say I don't think that this one's going to be um, a complete blowout super early. I mean, I, I, it will be a blowout at some point, but um, I'm not sure if we're going to get to see the backups too early because I think that Rutgers might be able to at least stay in the game for maybe a half or so. Um, that's that's probably hedging a little bit too much and giving Rutgers a little bit too much credit, but. Oregon State was really, really bad, and they were in the game for the first quarter. It felt like I think Ohio State kind of pulled away in the second quarter and then let them back in a little bit. But I I do think that um, we'll probably see the backups starting maybe midway through the third quarter when it gets to be like 35-7, 35-10, something like that. Um, But it it should be a a good amount of, of the starters, but probably not too much to get them hurt and um, probably at the, the same place that we were going into last week where we were saying that, you know, there's not really a reason for a guy like Tuff Borland to play. Probably still not a reason for him to play this week, but I'm sure he will. Yeah, there's no reason for a dude like him to play. There's really no reason for Dwayne Haskins yeah. to play in this <laughs> game or J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber. I think we're going to see a lot of Master Teague and Brian Sneed again in the second half. And Hopefully, Demario McCall, who was listed as the starting punt returner, the Ohio State coaching staff has logged on to the Holy Land pod, it would seem. Well, he's listed as um, the starting punt returner. The, the or. or. Yeah. So I, I think that's what it was last week, too. <laughs> I don't know if they actually changed anything. I think Saunders was on top, though. Saunders was definitely like, he's going to get the first reps and then you know mccall will get in at some point i think that um if i remember right i think ryan day said something specifically about it in the the press conference like he was asked about it and said that um there was a good no first week demario mccall was on top too 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that he said that the 26-yard return was was good, and that Demario is is earning trust. I'm not really sure what Demario keeps doing to lose that trust, but um, Demario innocent. Demario should be freed. And um, that, that's the official stance of this podcast. I think that we're Demario McCall Hive, uh, Sean Wade Hive, and I will throw in another one that I think could be could be building towards, and um, we we will eventually reach the um, the presidency of the Hive of uh, Master Teague. I'm a big Master Teague fan. Yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot of him this He's week. Good. He had that he had that really nice touchdown run where he just like get off yeah. of me on it was like 33 yards right and. He showed a lot of power, a lot of quickness. I really like that these backs that Ohio State has can kind of just do it all. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, I don't think anyone's really a track speed guy, at least in terms of like the actual just running backs and not H-back types, but they're all fast enough. We've seen what J.K. Dobbins can do in terms of just shiftiness and juking ability and he has a nice stiff arm. Mike Weber obviously has power. It looks like he's got some more acceleration in the early part of this season and looking like more how he looked like coming out of high school. And with those two guys, they're just phenomenal athletes. And for Sneed and Teague to kind of just immediately get in and get playing time is very encouraging. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them play. I was excited about both of them in this past recruiting class. And um, Ohio State really has found a very specific kind of running back that seems to be working out really well for them. And um, Master Teague and Brian Sneed both seem significantly more ready to go than you usually see from freshman running backs. And that's kind of becoming a trend in college football. Last year, there were a ton of very, very good freshman running backs, J.K. Dobbins included. Um, and it seems like Master Teague and, um, and Brian Sneed will both be able to step up and fill in when Mike Weber is presumably gone after this year and J.K. Dobbins probably after next year. I like the law firm of Sneed yeah, and Teague. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I re- I'm, I'm sticking with that one for now, the law firm of Sneed and Teague. And we'll see when we really shift into gear in conference play, how much time those guys get involved. Because right now, just at the skill positions, even if there's not like top, top, top level NFL type talent at wide receiver, there's so many guys who have experience and have already played. And there's only one ball to go around. And when you have a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins and then two running backs like J.K. Dobbins and, and Mike Weber, it's really only just when you're going to be blowing out teams that you'll see these guys unless they just put on such a show that they force the coaches to get them on the field. But even then, we've seen with young players that have been better than older players under this coaching staff that they've just been like, okay, wait till next year. We'll get you on the field. And then, and then in the bowl game, they're like, actually, this guy's it's good. He ball, that's the Von Bell special. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that, that one right there, um, a little bit of Jeff Okuda last year he played well in the usc game but looking for the young guys on offense is is there anything in particular you're watching on the defensive side of the ball just to see if the secondary looks better um if, if jordan fuller plays i think that'll give us a better idea of what they'll look like against tcu um but even if he doesn't <clears throat> i would like to see the the coverage really wasn't awful i i don't feel like um oregon state was really doing a ton in the passing game but uh, better tackling, better pursuit angles. I know that was something that Greg Schiano talked about specifically in his press conference. Um, so that's that's really, I think, the main thing that I'm looking for and to see if, if any young guys step up when they come in, to see if Justin Hilliard continues to get consistent playing time, see if 
Pete Warner can continue off of a pretty good performance last week. That's really the main thing. Like I said, it's it's Rutgers. Their offense isn't very good, but we might be able to learn a little bit, and hopefully they don't give up 31 points again this week. Yeah, and I think staying healthy is the main key, especially for those top-level guys on that defensive line. You can get out of this week healthy into TCU, then I think you're, you're, you're in a good place going into week three. You have a final prediction? Last week, we both went with a pretty big win over Oregon State, and I think we were both under <laughs> what ended up happening. Um, so I, I think I'll go... Let's go Ohio State 52, Rutgers 17. Sounds about right. That would match Rutgers' program high of points mm-hmm. against Ohio State from 2014. What's the spread? It's 33, right? I think it's 33, yeah. Yeah, so I'll go with that. 52-17. I'm going 62-9. to nine. Somehow Rutgers scores nine <laughs> points. There's like, Tate Martell has a safety in there somehow, and Rutgers gets to nine. 62-9. Tate Martell's definitely going to have one of those plays where Ohio State's at like their own 15, and he gets the safety because <laughs> he just keeps running backwards. <laughs> so we set the we set the over under for his rushing yards at 80 last week. We're going to lower it to 50 over or under. Let's go under. It didn't seem like they were really wanting to run the quarterback much last week. So I, I think I'll take under on that just because uh, they really haven't shown much of a desire to run the quarterback. Yeah, that, that may be interesting to, to look at and get like a two game sample size if they don't run him again, because he honestly is one play away from starting. And if all he's been brought in to do is run, and you get into Big Ten play, and it's like Tate Martell has had 35 plays, 32 of them are QB draws, then you're like, eh, <laughs> all right, into Happy Valley. Like, let's go. Good luck. Direct snap to J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber all day. But, yeah, that's uh, that probably plays a role into it that he is, you know, the backup quarterback now, and he can't just be a novelty as, as much as his skill set kind of sets up to that and you have to play into it but he still kind of has to be at the ready just in case yeah for sure i will say one nice thing about Rutgers, you know like the you want to you want to be positive ended on a positive note when you're talking about an opponent they got nice uniforms they, they got new uniforms this year and they, they look pretty good so i'm excited to see how those look <laughs> they definitely don't look like rutgers like... no they look like ohio state uniforms <laughs> that was a very like ncaa created mm-hmm uniform like oh i'll go with the side stripes and the white helmet that's really nice now i'm gonna play on artificial turf yeah i think the new ones look better i i I like the new ones more than the old ones um they're they're cleaner the old ones had like the weird adidas um like the tire tread pattern which i'm not a big fan of so that's that's the best thing i can say about Rutgers is that they're road uniforms i think they're all white um they should look pretty good so that that's exciting that's something that ohio state fans can be on the lookout for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Rutgers, very nice on the field in terms of the aesthetics. Rutgers, very pretty. <laughs> um, as we wrap up here, it's a quiet slate around the rest of college football. What uh, what other games are you looking forward to this weekend? I think the main one is uh, probably Stanford USC. I, I think that that's going to be a really good game, and you know I like the Pac-12 games. Um, Stanford looked really good last week against San Diego State. USC, I didn't get to watch that game. Um, Clemson, I, I know that I saw you, you tweet out that you think Texas A&M is going to keep yeah, it close. Baby. I don't know if I'm ready to say that after <laughs> after watching Clemson a little bit in week one. and um, I'm not sure if I'm super in on the Jimbo train. Um, I, I, I don't love his offense or 
really much of anything about him, but um, Wyoming, Missouri might be kind of fun. I just saw that one kind of flash across my screen. Wyoming's defense is pretty good, and Drew Locke is fun to watch. Um, it is it is mostly a pretty slow week, though. Michigan State has to go play Herm at Arizona State, so uh, if you're up at 1045 on Saturday, that one would probably be pretty fun for anyone on the East Coast if you want to see Michigan State score like 10 points and win by 12 somehow. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that it's very on brand it's kind of a slow week but i mean we're gonna watch it anyway so not i'm not complaining too much about it ucla oklahoma will be an absolute blowout um colorado nebraska if you want to go back to the 90s um really just not not a ton of good football iowa state iowa might be kind of fun um that's about it though that's that's really the only games that i see that are super interesting to me do you have any this feels like the type of weekend where we say this is the first one where we said, uh, you know, it's quiet and something really stupid is going to happen this weekend. I don't know where it'll be, but then like there are like individual matchups that are fun, at least on paper, Arizona and Houston, Ed Oliver versus Khalil Tate. If Arizona decides that he can run the yeah, ball, Arizona, please God <laughs> free our quarterback. They asked Kevin Sumlin if running Khalil Tate would be a good, a better idea more. And he was like, it could only help. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you get paid the big Hell bucks yeah. coach there you go um yeah clemson a&m man i'm, I'm just gonna go out and say it right now and i gonna find a way to win this game they're winning 17 to 13 i have nothing to back that up i have no reason for it clemson is much better clemson's gonna win this game by 40 but i'm gonna pick a&m to win this game somehow because it's in college station right? um i think so that sounds right yeah let's just let's go with yeah. that <laughs> a&m's gonna win fresno state Minnesota, not interesting on the surface, but Fresno State's one of the best group of five. Yeah, teams Fresno State is fun against a freshman quarterback. They're they're going to be on the road in Minnesota, but Fresno State picks us up. That could be a very signature win for them as they you know push back into what looks like them v Boise again as those top two teams in the Mountain West, as well as Wyoming too. Um, I think it's not out of the question to watch Michigan and Western Michigan, not because Western Michigan is going to keep it close or win, but just to see how Michigan's offense looks and to see if they have any more consistency. And like if Michigan's getting pushed off the ball by Western Michigan's defensive line, then I think you can be like, Ooh, this team four losses, possibly five. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that game should be interesting. Um, I think I've got a couple upset picks here. One that I'm a little bit more confident in than the other. Um, I think Pitt might beat Penn State. <laughs> that, that's a that's a primetime game. It's at Pitt. Pitt isn't very good, but I'm not sure if Penn State's good. Um, and that's a rivalry game, and it, it can get kind of weird. Um, and I think that Utah playing at Northern Illinois is a terrible idea. I think Northern Illinois is probably going to win yeah. that game. Um, Cal BYU might be kind of interesting. Um, UConn Boise State. If you want to see Boise State win a game by 80, that would be kind of fun. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it, it could be the kind of week where we're you know going in not thinking that anything weird is going to happen, and then you know like West Virginia loses to Youngstown State on a TV channel that no one has. Like that, that's the kind of thing that it could be this week. Kirby Smart finds a way to lose to Will Muschamp. <sighs> oh yeah, that's a good game. We forgot to mention that one. They got um, South Carolina has Debo Debo Samuel. He's the only football player that matters in that game. Yeah, at home, 
for hmm. South Carolina. So. It's a CBS broadcast, though. That, so it'll be like 17-14. <laughs> South Carolina didn't do much in week one, but they also like didn't really show their hand as well. So, you know, we've heard all offseason about how South Carolina's kind of turned the corner with what they want to do on offense. And let's see. <laughs> they're, they're about as, yeah, let's see. They're about as healthy as they can be, and they're going to face a, a very good team in Georgia with Demetrius Robertson now at receiver who – on the first play he touched the ball was just like i'm taking it to the house bye cal <laughs> he's unreal that team is crazy crazy stacked i can just picture justin wilcox getting on instagram video and that like coming up in his search and he's just like god damn it <laughs> oh no <laughs> i don't know that, that seems like a good place for us to wrap it up like we said we weren't going to really do any major preview on rutgers i'm sure that other ohio state podcasts have done that you can also read their stories about fake urban Meyer on there as well. I'm sure. Um, let's, 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 let's get out of here man. before I start talking too much shit. If you want to reach the podcast and let us know if, if we should be doing anything different, which I think is a given, um, send us a tweet at Holy land pod. You can reach me on Twitter at Dubsco. You can reach Patrick at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. We will be here all week breaking down, Ohio State Rutgers on LandGrantHolyLand.com. You can follow the site at LandGrant33 as well. And then we will be back later this weekend with a recap, which may be even shorter than this episode. Yeah, I I guess we'll just have to wait and see. If Ohio State loses to Rutgers, that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) That's the end of the website. I think we actually are contractually obligated to shut down if Ohio State loses to Rutgers. Yeah, we would have to give the website over to Chris Ash, and he would get to run it. (laughs) It's the rules. The only other thing, listeners, if you go to Safeway, please send me pictures of the 7-Up cake or the Orange Crush cake, or if there's any more soda cakes. I want to see this, and I want to know that this heinous atrocity is going on around the country and not just in my neighborhood if you find one of those cakes listeners uh feel free to like dm me and i'll send you my address you can send me one <laughs> if, if you eat it i'll venmo you ten dollars yeah, I, yeah I will pay you eat one of those cakes. you have to video it though <laughs> if, if you get one and eat it you have to video it and i will venmo you ten dollars yeah that's that's what i'll put yeah. out there um but until that's let's let's end it there until next time For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This is the worst podcast in the world named The Hangout in the Holy Land, and we will catch you next time.